Hello, and welcome to the fifth episode of How to Hold a Pencil. My name is Ruben Ingber, and I'm your host. Today with me is a developer uh, from General Assembly by the name of Nathan Bashaw. And Nathan comes to us from uh, sunny California. And I would wa- I'm welcome to the show, Nathan. And I was hoping that you could provide a brief introduction you know, to the people who don't know who you are, um, about what you do, who you are, and that kind of stuff. Sure. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, super, super pumped to be here. Although, I must say it's not too sunny in California right now. It's pretty foggy, actually, in San Francisco. <laughs> Isn't it um, always? And chilly outside, um, <laughs> which is strange. Well, the fog isn't strange, but the cold is. But anyway, um, yeah, so, so I just introduced myself. Um, I'm Nathan Bashaw. Um, I'm a product manager at General Assembly. Um, most recently, I've been working on a product called Dash that teaches people how to code websites, so HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. Um, and we do that through projects. So it's not just like, here's what a tag is. It's more like we're going to build something cool together online. Um, so, yeah, I didn't, I didn't study computer science or anything in school. I'm pretty much self-taught um, and, like, taught with, you know, learned on the job, so to speak. Uh, so I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. Great. So like you just said, I, I also studied uh, political science while I was in college. Oh, nice. Um, so, you know, we have a connection there. And I'm wondering... What was you know what was kind of the catalyst that make you made you sort of say well politics is fun and I like this because I know you did some work in politics as well um, and I like this but I want to do something else I want to do development like what made you make that switch? Uh, well, it probably started when I had an internship uh, for a congressman in D.C. and the people were all super nice. I was very very grateful to have had that experience, but um, I'm, I must admit it was really boring. <laughs> I just, I don't know, I was sitting around just kind of like watching what people were doing and it just did not excite me at all. Um, And what I realized is that um, when you're doing stuff in government, you really don't have a lot of power to accomplish anything directly. It's all very like indirect means. Um, And that uh, unless you're like an elected official, which was not going to be for a very long time, if ever, um, you really, you really can't do much. So I got... I got started thinking about like you know things that I could do a bit more directly to like have more almost just like creative control right and creative freedom over like working on something, um, and I had always been kind of interested in computers and the type that would like poke around on things and I made little games and flash right uh, and that kind of stuff, um, and so yeah I guess I just started thinking that making websites would be a cool thing to do and I started thinking of ideas and stuff and then it just sort of spiraled out of control from there <laughs> I mean that that really uh, encapsulates how so many people get their started they're bored with what they're doing and they decide hey I want to do something fun and creative and they switch but you know a lot of people who are listening to the show who might just be starting out um, you know they have these ideas in their head and they have these you know concepts but the motivation is what's key um, I think, to sort of continue on this path and continue building. And I'm wondering what along the path kept you motivated. Was there a goal that you had in mind? Did you want to start something? Did you, you know, I know you had projects in mind, but like what kept, what kept the, you know, the feet in the fire? Hmm. That's a good question. I think, I think for the most part, like everyone has this internal motivation to, to like build things, right? Or like if you're if you're interested at all in learning to code, then there's something in there that that's telling you that that would be a cool thing to do. And the place where I always got stuck, um, and the place where I think a lot of people just sort of permanently get stuck, is 
failure to translate that just kind of like, wouldn't it be cool into some external circumstance that kind of forces you to follow through. Um, so for me, um, when I first got started in college, I just like offered to make websites for student groups and like friends or like there was a professor who was writing a book and I made a book website for him. But basically I started off just doing it for free. Um, and then once I had a couple websites built, I started charging like very cheap, like 15 bucks an hour, 20 bucks an hour, gradually kind of increasing the price. But I think the structure of having an actual client that was expecting from me, even if to start out, it was completely free. Um, I mean, I definitely remember sitting at some cafe, like thinking I would probably rather be doing something else, but I need to get this done. Um, and it's always like, there's always points in the road where, where it's just, you know, it's easier to not do it. Right. And so unless you can put yourself in a position where there's some external incentives, I guess, or like constraints, like social pressure to follow through, I think it's, it's just really easy to kind of put it off for later always. For sure. Now, I'm wondering if you could sort of, uh, this was pre-Dash, so you didn't have this great platform. So I'm wondering, how did you go about teaching yourself? What tools did you use? You know, what would a typical, you know, lesson sort of look like? Yeah, I I learned in like phases. The first phase was, um, I'd spent a lot of time, like probably two years, um, no less than that, like more like a year probably, um, really just focused on the design part of things. Um, And it wasn't until... Um, a friend of mine said, like, you know, like, this isn't, like, I'll need you to actually code up your design. <laughs> um, I started as a designer, right? And, like, but but basically I soon learned that, like, you're way more valuable as a designer if you can do HTML and CSS pretty well. And so, um, and so when I was learning HTML and CSS, it was pretty much just, like, I think blog posts. Um, and, like, I remember specifically just, like, the very first tutorial I did was on a website called HTML Dog. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard of that one, but it's kind of an old-school site. Um, I haven't. I actually haven't seen that one. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, HTMLDog.com. <laughs> we'll put it um, in the show notes. Yeah, it's pretty basic, and it's, I don't know, it's probably not the best place to learn anymore, but at the time it worked for me to like just get the basics of like, all right, here's the syntax, here's the tags. I think the hard part of HTML and CSS isn't so much like getting the basics, it's getting to the point where you're pretty fluent in it, and you can accomplish, you can accomplish like design elements in your head, like you can translate that into into code. That's a little bit tougher, like putting it all together. Um, yeah, I, I think it's always, I think for a lot of people it's, it's very simple to go through tutorials and stuff like that, but it's finding those projects and really finding those those ways to take what you've learned following you know a step by step guide of how to make a box and applying that to a website or some sort of project um, right and I think for a lot of people that's a roadblock finding those projects and finding finding those people that need a website, especially in this day and age where so many people quote unquote know how to build a website. Um, when you were starting out, uh, what roadblocks did you see uh, ahead of you? And you obviously started out, you know, a couple of years ago. And I'm wondering if you think those roadblocks still exist today, or if you know there are new roadblocks. Um, I mean, I think like with sites like Treehouse, Code Academy, and Dash, um, and others, that the quality of tutorial has gone way up. But like, it's still just a tutorial, you know. It's it still will only take you so far, and unless you can find some tangible way to make use of and like regularly, like ideally every day, practice 
your skill and transform that into something that you just do full time, if that's what your goal is, then um, it's always just going to be like, you know, this side thing that you quickly forget, right? Because you very quickly get rusty. If you like for a month don't write any code <laughs> and you haven't been coding that long, then pretty much you have to start again from scratch. So um, yeah. you, don't, you don't even want to know the number of false starts I had at the beginning. Um, it's so funny. Like I'd be like, all right, I'm going to spend two weeks. I spent two weeks learning all the CSS and then all of a sudden life gets in the way and you're like a month later, like, all right, I'm going to sit back down and you have to go back through it all. But I think going back through it all also is helpful too. That's true. I think the review, I think a lot of people think, oh, I did this once. I don't need to do it again. I think going back and like, you know, building the same site or building a similar site to what you just built for somebody else is helpful in learning more. Um, yeah, I mean, the, th- the funny thing is, like, our brains are super efficient at forgetting stuff that we don't need to know, right? Like, the, the reason why we forget is because you don't actually need to know it because you're not using it every day. And so unless you get yourself in a position where you need to know it because you have, like, clients that are waiting for a website from you, right, or, like, something, just some bit of accountability to, like, make it real and to turn it into something that you're actually, like, has productive value in the world, um, it's always just going to be this thing that you don't need, and it's just too hard, I think, to sustain learning something as complex as web development when you don't really need to know it, and it's just kind of like a nice to have. You know, when you're starting out, you have so many you have, you have a lot of you have a lot of questions as you start out, and I've found that over time, a lot of people just spend a lot of time googling as they're learning, and I'm wondering, you know, and the answers that come back can be on Facebook and Stack Overflow and so many other places, and I'm wondering how you found the community. Of the web, how you found the web development community being helpful in your early stages? Yeah, I I think the main thing was um, in college. I had a friend who was like like really really talented computer science guy, and he was majoring in computer science, and he was. He had been coding since he was eight, and so <laughs> maybe he wasn't actually even the best person because he didn't have a ton of empathy for a beginner um, since he had basically just grown up knowing about this stuff. Um, but he definitely challenged me and gave me a lot of help, but um, it, was, it was something that sort of made me step my game up, I think, a lot. Um, and, then, and then after that, when I graduated from college, I joined a startup um, mostly just as like a designer and a front-end developer. But while I was there, I learned a ton about Rails. And then the other, my coworkers basically um, taught me a lot about programming like real applications, like not just static websites. Yeah. And so you talked about your coworkers and how they were helpful. And I'm wondering, um, I've heard from a lot of people on this show and beyond that, you know, they've do- they dove into a job that they were, you know, they were prepared for and they knew what they were doing, but, you know, they definitely weren't you know, experts in their field or anything like that, but they got their job and they started working and the people around them were so incredibly helpful and willing to support them. And I'm wondering if you've experienced that same thing as in, you know, when you were a new developer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. My first job out of college, it was just like, I mean, I could, mostly I came as a designer, right? Like I could code HTML and CSS, but I sort of made no promises beyond that. And I wasn't even that great at HTML and CSS. I was actually kind of nervous about it um, because that was like a core thing that they needed from me. But I think they just hired me because like I was pretty enthusiastic and, um, you know, they, (laughs) they needed someone who could kind of like come in and take care of some things. That was a little bit more of like grunt work to start. Um, Yeah. But like, you know, 
I think when you have someone that's like you're hiring and is a team member, you're going to invest in that person. You're going to care for that person. It's just sort of like a natural thing to do. Um, and so putting yourself in a position where you're in a job, even if you're not necessarily hired as a developer, but you're working for like a startup kind of internet company, I think uh, will put you in a position to learn a ton. Um, and so uh, I, I would definitely recommend that of anyone who's wanting to get more development experience but probably doesn't have enough knowledge already to get hired like as a developer. You know, I, so you, I want to change gears a little bit here and talk about a post that you recently wrote on Medium um, uh, called uh, Bad Code is the First Step Towards Good Code. Um, and I'm, I'm wondering if, before we dive into it, if you could explain to our listeners who haven't read the post, what do you mean by that and you know, why, do you, why do you believe that? Yeah, so I think at a high level, um, what that post is about is the f- sort of anxiety that a lot of people feel when they're getting started. And they know the basics. They know kind of the syntax of programming. They can create simple things, but it takes a lot of mental effort. It's not like natural to just churn out an app, right? Um, and at that point, I think it's super easy and a very common danger to overanalyze what you're doing and to worry that you're not doing it the right way. Like, you might be able to get it work to, to work. Like, you may be able to have it appear on the user's end as if it, <laughs> you know, as if it's a functional thing. But on the back end, you're afraid that it's just a piece of crap. Um, and so what the post is about is it basically says, like, it probably is a piece of crap. But don't worry about that. Like, just make it work first. And then learn, like, one step at a time when something breaks, like, gradually improve, improve it. Um, and that basically, like, there is such a thing as best practices in web development, and they're important, but no one can learn them all at once. And that sort of anxiety just sort of keep, it prevents you from even getting started. And so it's really honestly not so useful. And a much better way to learn how to do things the quote-unquote, like, right way is to start by doing them the wrong way, thus bad code is the first step towards good code. No, I, I, I think you're completely right in this, in this case. I think people oftentimes hold themselves back and are like, well, I don't know how to do it the right way, so I'm not going to do it at all, or I'm you know, going to keep doing tutorials and not try to apply them. Um, and I'm wondering how students or you know, people at General Assembly, how you, you know, I know you mentor some students there, I'm wondering how people react to the statement of being like, don't worry if it's bad or don't worry if it's poorly written, just get it written. Um, and you'll learn from that. I wonder how, I wonder how other students react to it. Like if it's sort of a controversial thing to say or something like that? No, not necessarily if it's controversial, but if it's, you know, if they see it and they're like, oh, that makes a lot of sense or, oh, I still, they, you know, that the whole idea of somebody who is a developer telling them that it's okay to write something bad, um, if that sort of, you know, doesn't click with somebody who's first learning and first starting out. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think for some people it does, and a lot of people sent me really nice like emails and tweets after I wrote that, and then for some people, maybe they don't naturally accept that quite so much. <laughs> All right. So you recently launched, or General Assembly under your leadership, uh, Launch Dash, which is a learning platform uh, for people who want to learn online how to develop, and I'm really interested in the tool because I've played with a lot of different tools. I use Treehouse. Uh, as my main tool, and I've been on Skillshare, and now I'm on Thinkful, and there's a ton of others. And I'm wondering if you could tell me sort of what separates Dash uh, from the rest of them. Yeah. Well, 
So you, you named a bunch of alternatives there, and I think a lot of them do different things well. Um, oh, I'm not. So, I'm not discrediting any. Oh, yeah, I think. Totally. I think everything. I think. I think all of the tools that are coming out, especially from startups, are fantastic. And I'm just wondering what makes Dash different, or you know, Dash even better than others. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think the main difference is that Dash is super focused on one thing, which is learning to make websites. Right. Like, I think a lot of other platforms feel like they should teach, like, if they, if they teach one thing well, the first user feature request is like, oh, that was awesome. Do you also teach, you know, PHP or Ruby or whatever else, right? Um, and so I think it's really hard to just, like, ignore users like that. Um, and you figure, like, hey, the more different things we teach, the better, you know, we can educate people. But I think the opposite is actually true, that learning to code is so difficult um, for people that, you can make a lot of progress and get a lot of users if you do if you make a really fantastic experience um, for people's like first step in learning to code. Um, and then once you kind of get the basics, it's a lot easier to go other places and learn different things. But that kind of very first starting point, the kind of like I'm just dabbling to see if I might have any sort of ability to do this kind of thing. I think that's make or break for a ton of people. And it's always a shame to me when someone you know goes through some tutorial that's poorly written and decides they're not good. It's their fault. And I think that oftentimes it's actually just the tutorial's fault. Um, and, so, and so the goal with Dash was to be, like, the, the best first step that someone could possibly take, to, like, make the most comfortable, safe environment for creating things that are actually exciting and, like, motivating to build um, that actually sort of you feel like you really learned something, like you weren't just parroting facts and commands, right? Um, that was our goal. Um, and so we started with HTML, CSS, and JavaScript because it's, A, the language of the web. So it's, like, the most ubiquitous computing platform that you can build applications on top of, like, and it's not really going anywhere yeah. <laughs> anytime soon. Like, um, so, and the other thing is that HTML and CSS are just, it's not, like, a true programming language, so it's a lot easier. And I think, anecdotally, that's the way, the path that most people take is through HTML and CSS, I think, as the starting point. No, I would definitely agree with you that most people start there. Um, and I'm wondering, you know, from uh, sort of from the builder's perspective, what you what you um, what you see as the future for Dash, and like what you know, sort of insight you can give to prospective students who might be saying, "Oh, Dash looks like a cool tool," but you know, you know, what's next? Like, what what else are you going to add? What else are you going to build out, and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I would just look for more content around the core theme of making websites. So one thing that we're filling out right now is, like, more on JavaScript because I think that's I think it's a really tricky part where a lot of people learn some HTML and CSS and then they, they start to do pretty well there and then it's really hard to move past that into JavaScript or, like, some back-end thing like Ruby or Rails or something. Um, and so helping people go from learning a markup language, right, to an actual programming language that's that's something that we're working on actively right now, um, and then you know maybe other other types of websites that you might make like where there's like common components right like um, common common things that you see on the internet learning how to do that learning how to apply like common libraries to problems um, like maybe Bootstrap stuff like that um, I would say is something to look out for. Very cool, and you know so. For people who don't know, General Assembly started in New York as a co-working space um, and then soon launched, soon after launched a whole education community here in New York. 
and then has expanded basically all over the world. And I'm wondering uh, if you could sort of uh, talk to the listeners sort of about how General Assembly is translating those learning communities or how General Assembly might translate those learning communities that they have offline, you know, in these, you know, campus hubs to their online community that, you know, is being, you know, steered by Dash? That's a good question. Um, I mean, I can't talk in any specifics about, like, our future product roadmap or anything like that. Of course. Um, But I will say that, you know, our goal is to be able to reach everyone on Earth and to give them opportunity in the technology industry um, through education. And so you can only do that for a very small portion of the world's population if you're in eight cities. Um, And so the plan is definitely to be online in a much more major way in the future. That's fantastic. Now, the one thing about Dash that I find very interesting um, that you probably bring a great perspective to is you're somebody who used the internet to learn how to build websites. And I'm wondering, you know, as you're building Dash and as you're planning out Dash, um, sort of what did you think to yourself, well, I did it this way when I was learning on my own and it was terrible, or I did it this way and it was fantastic that you sort of applied to the Dash platform? You know, is there anything yeah. that sticks out? The thing, the, the moment when I felt most amazing when I was first learning to code was I was going through a book called Head First PHP and MySQL by Kathy Sierra, who, like, amazingly, like, dream come true, endorsed Dash. And we have a blurb from her on our homepage. Um, and she's the creator of the Head First series uh, at O'Reilly. And so um, basically, like, this book um, taught in a really friendly format where it was project-based, and I felt like I was building something cool and practical, um, and I wasn't just parroting back commands and, like, learning things in the abstract. I was actually applying them to a problem where there was, like, a client in this book who wanted something from me, right? Like, that, that touch of sort of realism, I think, I think really helps. Um, and so that's a very core component of Dash. It's like, in every lesson, you have um, a fake person who you're building a website for, um, and I think this goes back to like what I was saying about having some need for a thing in the world that's real as opposed to just feeling like you're reading a dictionary of coding terms um, is, like, I think, a, a really great way to learn. Um, and the other thing, another big design, design decision for Dash was um, not to use video, really, except in very sparing kind of places. Um, because I think it just doesn't give the user enough control over the timing and the tempo of the lesson. Um, if, you're, if you're learning something, it's really, it's like you have to have full concentration. And you want to kind of be able to feel like you're in control of the pace of things. And it's super annoying when you're watching a video to like have to fast forward through something that you already know or to like pause and rewind if something was confusing. And so a lot of times users will just make the mental calculation that like it's not worth the effort. So... Um, I think I think video is like kind of tough, and the, the great thing about video is that like you can sort of teach anything through it, and it's like this generic sort of you can screencast whatever. Um, but if you can make some sort of interactive experience where the the pacing of the lesson is entirely up to the user, that's a far better learning uh, environment for someone. That's fantastic. Um, so now you know we're coming towards the end of the show, and I'm wondering. Um, so you've built Dash, and I'm sure that's probably at the top of your list of favorite things that you've built. But I'm wondering, is there something else that's the favorite website, that, you know, the favorite thing you've built on the Internet? Oh, man. That's a tough question. 
Um, probably Scratchpad, which is like the precursor to Dash. Um, it's at scratchpad.io, and it's basically Dash without the lesson. It's just on the left-hand side, a big text editor where you can write HTML and CSS. And then on the right-hand side, there's a really big browser preview where you can preview the results of that in real time. And it's kind of like uh, CodePen or JS Fiddle, but it's much more focused on like kind of sketching out your ideas in code and less on sort of debugging. And it's got like, it's got sort of like, it's more simple, but it's more focused on actually just sitting and writing code, like as an actual development environment. Um, and that was the thing that got General Assembly's attention and the way that they hired me was through that. So for oh. that reason, it's probably my favorite. <laughs> that's perfect. So obviously now you're a full-time developer and that's what you do. And I'm wondering what advice um, would you give to someone who is just setting out um, on a similar path of, you know, they decided I want to learn how to do this, but I want to do it on my own. Do everything you can to make it real. I think it's not enough to do tutorials and it's not enough to have it just be some hobby. It's too difficult. Um, if you actually, if that's what you want to do, then like go full into it and make the time and make it a part of your identity um, because you're never actually going to make the transition to becoming a developer unless you consider yourself a developer and like approach it as if this is who you are and what you do. I think the biggest reason why people fail is because they're afraid to commit and they don't fully allow themselves to identify as developers soon enough. That's fantastic advice, and I think a lot of listeners will find that super valuable. And I also, I mean, I know that you're, I know that Dash is your focus, but are you working on anything else, you know, a personal side project or something fun uh, outside of that that you want to share with the listeners? Sure. Um, yeah, I've got... There's like a sort of Hacker News-ish style community for like interesting new web like technology products, basically, broadly speaking, called Product Hunt that uh, a friend and I are working on. That's like a fun little side project. It's ProductHunt.co. ProductHunt.co. Yeah. And then finally, the last question that I ask all of my guests, um, where can users find you on the internet? You know, what's your Twitter, your personal website, that kind of stuff? Pretty much at- on the internet, I'm in Bashaw, all places. So Twitter, <laughs> twitter.com slash in Bashaw. My personal website is linked to from there. It's in Bashaw.github.io. So great. And we'll include, yeah. I will include all of those links and plus links from everything we talked about awesome. uh, in the show notes. Uh, Nathan, I want to thank you so much for joining me on the, the fifth episode of how to hold a pencil. Congrats. Uh, thank you so it's a, much. It's a nice round number. Well, it's not round, but it's a nice number. <laughs> it is a nice number. We're going to get to six before the end of the year. Next week, we have up Jennifer DeWalt, who built 180 websites in 180 days. Oh, that's um, amazing. I heard of her. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, and I'm so excited to have her on the show. Um, once again, thank you so much to Nathan. If you haven't had a chance to check out Dash, uh, head over to General Assembly's website at uh, generalassemble.ly. Um, generalassem.ly uh, yeah. generalassem.ly we'll include that in the show notes as well you can follow the show um, on twitter at holdapencil h-o-l-d-a-p-e-n-c-i-l and you can follow me on twitter at Ruben Ingber. that's r-e-u-b-e-n-i-n-g-b-e-r see you all next week and have a great day <laughs>